0: Our scripture reading this morning is Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 to 26. Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 to 26. But what does not matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's Provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? Lord Jesus, here we are, your sheep around your word, praying that you would feed us, lead us into the truth, and transform us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, church, as we carry on in our study of Philippians, we remember that this letter is one which the Apostle Paul wrote to the church while he was under house arrest in Rome. And here in chapter 1, particularly from verses 12 on, he has been explaining to the Philippians and to us not so much the nature of his imprisonment, but rather the purpose for why he is in prison. He speaks of how this particular imprisonment is not something which is a failure of God's care for him or the Philippians shouldn't be concerned about it, but rather it has happened for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That everyone knows that it is for Christ that he is in chains. And so because the gospel is going forth, even in the midst of, of his imprisonment he is rejoicing and so as we continue on in chapter 1 this morning carrying on into verses 18 to 26 we see that the Apostle Paul doesn't just rejoice in the fact the gospel is going forth because of his imprisonment but even now he says he will continue to rejoice because he says he knows that as the people of God Pray for him. And as God works through the prayers of his people, as the spirit of God continues to work in his life, he says he knows that what has happened will turn out for his deliverance. The Greek word deliverance here means salvation. And with it, there's a couple meanings that should be considered. First of all, the eternal aspect of salvation. He knows that God has allowed this particular trial, this imprisonment in his life, not only for the sake of the gospel going forth, but also for his own spiritual good, for his own transformation. So he knows that God has allowed this particular trial so that he can be molded and shaped into the image of Christ more and more. And so, as James says, when he describes the purpose of trials, of God using them for that sake, James says, count it all joy. And so here, Paul, in facing imprisonment, knowing that it's going to lead to a deeper tasting of the life that Christ has won for him, he rejoices. He rejoices. And we would do well, church, to rejoice in our trials, knowing that God has ordained and allowed them for the sake of our own personal transformation. But there's another aspect here of salvation that Paul rejoices in, and that is a a temporal sense. He he says in verses 25 to 26 that he expects and he's convinced that he will actually be released from prison, and then will come again to the Philippians to encourage them in the faith, and for this he rejoices. And so those are important things to notice. We continue to study this chapter, but this morning we're going to focus on something that is in the midst of this description of the purpose of the imprisonment and Paul's rejoicing in it. A short sentence that should capture and arrest us as we study this section. Because here we see Paul's description of his view towards his life, the summary of his existence and purpose for his entire being, which is quite the statement. In verse 21, for to me to live, is Christ. And to die is gain. This is my purpose. This is my existence. This is my view on all of my life. And so I am able to face no matter what comes because this is what I am about. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's my attitude towards everything, whether I'm in prison or not. And it'd be good for us to unpack this this morning because this profound statement is not just a summary of Paul's existence and purpose, but if we truly understand the gospel, it is a summary of the purpose of every single believer that has been redeemed by Jesus Christ. We're going to unpack it this morning and talk about the significance of this statement and of this view. To live is Christ, to die is gain. First of all, Paul says, to live is Christ. To live in the flesh or the the physical body as it is before the coming of the kingdom of God. It's to Christ. But what does this mean? Biblically, how do we unpack this? Well, first of all, a few things to consider from the scriptures that will help us understand this significant claim. First of all, to live is Christ. If we are believers who are going to acknowledge that we are to live to Christ, the first thing we must understand is that as believers in Christ, we belong to Christ. We celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. We proclaim the death and the sacrifice that he has made for us to be freed from sin. But Galatians 3.13 reminds us that through that sacrifice, Christ has bought us with his blood. John 17, verse 24, the father has given us to Christ as a gift. And so to live is Christ reminding that's our purpose in our existence as we live in the flesh until the kingdom of God. The first thing that we acknowledge every single day, as long as we have breath, is that we are not free to do what we want. Our freedom is not that we get to choose whatever we want to do now or we determine our identity. No, each and every single one of us is property of the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. He is our master. He is our king. He is our Lord. In a world in North America where individualism is constantly thrown in your face, become your own person, be your own ruler, we as the people of God acknowledge, no, no, no. I belong to To Jesus Christ. He is my king. He is my master. He's not just my savior. He's my Lord. So every single day. Not just on the Sunday morning. But on Monday morning. When you wake up. And you're making your coffee. Or doing whatever you do. Today and forevermore. As long as I have breath. I have been purchased by Jesus Christ. And as those who have been purchased by Christ, we are now called to work for our master. That's the next thing. To live as Christ is to acknowledge that we belong to him. The next thing is, is that our master has called us to work. Church, here's the thing. You are not saved by works, but you are saved for works. Ephesians, the Apostle Paul goes on to say that Christ has prepared good works for his people even before the foundation of the world. And so as those who belong to him, our master calls us now to fruitful labor. Paul says, if I remain in the flesh, it is for fruitful labor. I have work to do as belonging to Christ. And so what does that mean? Well, Romans 12, to 3, here's a general but powerful description In view of the mercies of God, offer your lives as living sacrifices to him. Part of our worship is, I belong to you, God. Christ, you have bought me. Not only every day I belong to you, but every day I give my entire being to you, that I may serve you, that I may glorify you, and you may be exalted through my life. All of me, not just part of me, not just a bit of on a Sunday morning or a bit on a Tuesday evening or five minutes a day. Every single part of my body, of my existence, of my being is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Every single part. Your families, you live to honor Christ. Your workplace, you live to honor Christ. Your friend circles, you live to honor Christ. Your hobbies, you live to honor Christ. And your own personal time, where you're doing your own thing, you live to honor Christ. Every day, no matter the cost, Paul's imprisoned to live as Christ. Paul's going to be free again to live as Christ. I belong to him, and I belong to serve him and to carry out his purposes no matter the cost, no matter the comfort level, whether it's sickness or it's health, whether it's comfort or it's pain, I live to make Jesus Christ known and to glorify him and to serve him. Before your vocation, you are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who you belong to. And so the works that we do, there are three primary goals that are the result of the works that we are called to, of living to serve Jesus Christ. The first thing we see in the scriptures, and that we're going to get later to in Philippians chapter 3, is that as those who belong to Christ, we serve Christ, we work, and part of our work is that we may know him more. You know what the Apostle Paul goes on to say in Philippians 3? Philippians 3. I press on to know Christ. And everything else is counted as loss compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. I press on to know Him. Not just to know about Him, but know Him. And so we have as responsibility as those who belong to Christ to serve Christ by working in order that we may gain knowledge of Him. Every single day we wake up, Jesus, I want to know more of you. Jesus, I want to grow in relationship with you. Jesus, I press on. I'm not satisfied with last week's message. I press on. I press on. Lord, take me deeper. Take me deeper. Paul says everything else. That's why I wake up. Everything else is done. Compared to the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Now, how does that kind of knowledge happen? You just wake up on a Monday morning and drink your coffee and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Intimacy with God. No. You've got to work, church. You've got work to do. We've got to be in the word of God we got to be people of prayer. we got to be people who gather together in a corporate church who come to serve and edify one another. we got to be doing the disciplines that are described in the scriptures that help us grow closer to Christ. And Paul says it's more worth it than any kind of physical training that we could ever do. You know, in this world, there's a lot of people that know a lot about a lot of stuff. I know there's people that are experts on cars and are always reminding me of my wrong car choices. But it's okay, you'll come around. There's people that we know that could tell you everything about this particular hobby or this particular thing. You know what, church? If You belong to Christ. If you're purchased by him, Paul is reminding us that all those other knowledges, though they are good, though they are great, is completely dung compared to knowing Jesus Christ. So Spirit of God, may you awaken us in each and every single one of us who is yours, who belongs to Christ, to say, Lord, I don't want to just know about you, I want to know you. Not just here on this Sunday morning, but every single day that I have breath, you have given me breath. Press on, press on, press on. And as we work, it will be fruitful. Notice how Paul hears him say, it might be fruitful. Maybe there's a chance that if I remain in the flesh, this labor might amount to something. No, he says, it's going to be fruitful. It's going to be fruitful. Because the Spirit of God is going to work. You commit yourself to these works, and by the power of the Spirit, you will be transformed in Christ's name. And you will know him. And you will sing with Paul everything else is a loss compared to knowing him. Knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. So we work to know Christ more and more. We work also in order that we may be sanctified or we may grow in the grace of God. Our Master has bought us and he has bought us in order that we may be transformed, sanctified, that we may put to death the deeds of our flesh, Roman 8, 2, by the power of the indwelling spirit within us that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, to put to death the sin that is within us. So once again, every day we belong to Christ. Every day that we are in the flesh, we say, Lord, I want to know you more. Help me know you more. And as I do this, Lord, help me put to death the very sin which hinders this relationship. Not tolerating or flirting around with the addictions of the past or the things of the world that are tempting you, but saying, no, in Jesus' name, I want to walk into the freedom that he has given to me, and I declare war on sin. by the power of the spirit I take confession seriously I take accountability seriously I take prayer seriously I remove myself from the situations which are tempting and could be downfalls for me I don't flirt around with it It's part of the work that we're called to Sanctification is a brutal work it's a tough work but it's a work that we are called to not in our own strength, but by God's work working in us. So we live to grow to know Christ more. We live to be sanctified and conformed to his image. The next thing is that we live to make Christ known. One of the primary reasons why we are given breath and that our purpose and our existence is before the coming of the kingdom is to make Christ known, is to share Christ with the world that as the gospel is preached, Christ may continue to call his church out. That is why we exist above everything, to be a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not just that, but to work in order to witness and equip the saints. Paul here says, fruitful labor that I may work among you and you may grow in joy and in your faith. Part of the responsibility as those who belong to Christ is to gather with Christ's family and encourage one another that they may grow into the knowledge of him. That's why we're here this morning, church, to worship the living God and to encourage one another that they may grow in the faith. And it's a responsibility that we've been given. So we are called to work, to know Christ more, to put to death, sin be sanctified and to make him known in the world and to serve the church that they may know him more. And this is the responsibility that's been given to those who belong to Christ. And this is all part of to live is Christ. Now I encourage you to remind yourself of this. As you wake up in the morning and you're looking in the mirror doing your hair, whatever it may be, Remind yourself, preach to yourself, today, to live as Christ. And then the next day, the same day, to live as Christ. It's important that we remind ourselves of this, because the truth is, church, we are people that can easily be distracted. We know in this chapter that Paul has said that they are in Christ, but they're also citizens of Philippi still. Yes, they are citizens of the kingdom, but they continue to live in a world which is constantly filled with distractions and things which are calling out their name, looking for their attention. And that's the tension of us who are already citizens of the kingdom, but still living in this broken world. There are things always constantly calling out for your attention, which seek to distract you from the purpose for why you are here. You know, when, I, when I go into Costco, first of all, it's not a good thing. Because I can just walk around and see things and think, oh my goodness, this is great. This is fantastic. My wife's walking around going, stay focused, Eric, stay focused, Eric. She's actually saying it out loud sometimes. But it's true. And sometimes, even by myself, I can go in and see everything and come out and realize I didn't even get what I was supposed to be getting. Didn't even get what I was there for. Church, I wonder sometimes with all the distractions that are in the world, whether it's the culture of entertainment and movies and Netflix and all those things, and this thing called the cell phone and all the things that are out there calling out for our attention, can we sometimes be so distracted by the things that are temporary and of this world which we don't even belong to that we sometimes forget why we're even really here in the first place? Stay focused. Stay focused. Before before my job, To live as Christ. Before any hobby that I have that is temporary to live as Christ. To know him. To grow in sanctification. To make him known. That's why I have breath. And that's the work that our master calls us to. So to live is Christ. Glorious thing. But then to go on, Paul says, but... To die is gain. See, Paul not only calls us to be reminded about the nature of our life and why we exist, but also calls us to have a proper view towards death. I don't know if you realize this lately, but the death rate is still one out of one die. Still one out of one, 100%. And will be until Christ returns. And so it's something that people want to put off and not acknowledge or not think about. They don't want to talk about it sometimes. But Paul is reminding us here that we better think about it. And we better have a proper review of it. Because here's the thing. Whether you are a believer or not, you will die. It doesn't matter what age you are either. You're not guaranteed a long life on this earth. I heard about another classmate last week. My age. Pregnant. Killed in a car accident. People that are dying, believers. You're not guaranteed those things, but what you are guaranteed is to know and have a proper view on what death is in order that we may embrace it because it's part of the life, it's part of the reality that comes before the kingdom. We must have a proper view of it. And so Paul goes on to remind us that the reality is, though death is one of the last things that happens in our life, obviously. He wants us to be reminded, even in his own example, that death is something in which we can glorify God. He goes on and says, whether in life or in death, that Christ may be exalted in my body. If I'm living, may he be honored. Even in my death, may Lord Jesus Christ be exalted and honored and glorified. And if you're going to be fueled to embrace death as an act of worship, We've got to be reminded about what death is for the believer. Death is gain. Gain. Far better. Who in the world is going around today saying, death is better? Death is better? No one. Except the church of Jesus Christ. Why is it gain? Well, John Gill, who was a pastor at Spurgeon Tabernacle before Charles Spurgeon, writes out some helpful things for us to be reminded about. First of all, in death, a believer is released from all the troubles and distresses of life. In death, they are arising from the diseases of the body. There is no more sickness. There's no more loss. There's no dis- no more disappointment in worldly things. There's no more oppression and persecution. There's no more indwelling sin. There's no more unbelief. There's no more doubt and fear. There's knowing the fullness of joy, a perfect comfort of peace and surrounded by endless pleasures. Why? Because as soon as a believer dies in Christ, their spirit departs to be with Christ. In the fullness of his glory. As they await the great resurrection, where then, when Christ returns, their spirit will be joined to their body, raised, and they will fully become like Christ and taste the fullness of his salvation. That is what death is. Apart from Christ, death is judgment and eternal torment forevermore. But through Christ, for church, it has become our game. we can sing already oh church rise up because death where is your sting and when believers know this when they grasp this And they go and they embrace that, knowing that it is gain, they can glorify God because in the midst of the loss, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sorrow, they can say, this is not the final answer. The grave cannot rob me, for Christ has overcome, he is risen, and because he lives, I'm going to face tomorrow, and not just face tomorrow, but as soon as I die, it's far better for me than it has ever been. It's been a privilege as a pastor to walk with people through the valley of death. It's been tough. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing someone who is saved in Christ. Embraced though they are weak, though sometimes they can barely even talk. Know that in a moment, in an instant, it will be far better. to live as Christ, and I'm going to live for Christ and do all the things that Christ has called me to by the power of his spirit as long as I have breath. But if death's coming, and even though I don't know when it may be, I will embrace it with joy and I will rejoice because it is gain. I had a, remember my grandma's funeral. I had a lady come up to me and she was crying and Clearly distressed by my grandma's death. I thought, oh my goodness, this is just the end of it. I'm so sorry for you. And I looked at her and I said, oh no, this is not the end. It is far better than it has ever been. Our relatives who are in Christ, who have gone before, it is far better than it has ever been. So live as Christ, to die as gain. When Paul thinks about these things, there's a tension that exists in this passage that he acknowledges. He says, when I think about these things, the beauty of living for Christ, but also the beauty of death and all that it means. If I were given a choice, which one I want to choose? Well, let me think about death for a second, Paul says. When I think about it, there is a part of me that longs to depart, that longs to die. Now, Paul's not suicidal here. He's not wanting to die because he's hopeless. He wants to die because he has a hope. Because of what lies on the other side. And something wonderful that the Spirit of God does in the believer, even though they live in this life, they're not afraid of death. In fact, there's a longing for it to come at some point because they know the fullness of the kingdom, the fullness of Christ that lies on the other side. And my grandma, once again, in her later years, she would talk about how she was ready. There's a longing to depart. At the same time, Paul says, but at the same time, I know that it's necessary that I remain because you need to be invested in and so I want to remain in order that I may care for you and love you and serve you and that your joy and the faith may abound. So he has a deep longing to go and to be with Christ and to be with his Lord. At the same time, he has a deep longing to remain and continue to serve his church. In his world. And it's a wonderful tension. And Pastor John MacArthur comments that it's one of the tensions that is produced in the spirit-filled believer. A longing for Christ and heaven and all that there is, that it is. At the same time, Lord, let my earthly life not be wasted in one moment on you. Let me be here as long as I have to, or that you may be glorified and honored through my life. It's a wonderful thing. Paul says, I cannot choose. Now it's important to grasp here that Paul is saying he's not acknowledging that he even has a choice here. He's not saying, I've been given the option of dying or remaining in the flesh. He's not acknowledging that. There's another meaning here with I cannot choose, and it's he cannot choose because he can't choose. It's not his choice. The timing of our life is not our choice. Just as when we had no choice over how we were born or when we were born, so we have no choice in our death. It is God's ordained time. Our days are numbered. He is the one who owns us and he determines all these things, but as long as he gives us breath to live as Christ. Don't waste your life, church, as John Piper says. Don't go out this week and do meaningless, worthless things that cause you to be distracted by why you are really here. To live is Christ. So may the Spirit of God give us the ability to embrace that and to do that every day. But even if death may come, even if death may come, may we embrace, may we rejoice, may God be glorified even in our death, because death is gain. And we proclaim this, we acknowledge this, and we rejoice. So forevermore until Christ returns, may our existence and our purpose be summarized by the thing that Paul himself has said. To live as Christ, to die as gain. What a joyful thing that is. I can't put joy in your faces. I can't put this joy in your heart. That's a work of the Spirit. But I do pray that as this word is preached that we are reminded about our very existence and purpose that Christ's sacrifice has bought for us that truly as we have sung this morning we stand and we sing I surrender all all that Jesus I surrender to live is Christ And even though death may come oh I will praise you, I will exalt you for it is far better and it takes me to the Christ for whom I belong and the world that I was made for. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the wonder of the gospel. I thank you for the sacrifice that you have made through Christ, the giving of the Son, that Christ became sin, that we may become the righteousness of God. Lord, we are here for a purpose. We're not here just to waste our days and do what we want. Lord, as those who belong to you, we are called to serve you with our entire lives offered as a living sacrifice, to grow in the knowledge of you. God, may that be our joy. Holy Spirit, would you produce in us a passion that we would wake up every day longing for more of Christ, that we would take sin seriously and put it to death by the power of your Spirit. Lord, that we would... Let our conversations and our deeds make Christ known to the world that is around us. And may we come together with the church in order to have fruitful labor to encourage one another in the faith. Lord, we live in a world of distraction, in a world where there's constantly things calling out our name and constantly seeking for our attention and our, our longing. But God, we pray, keep us focused on why we are here, that we may enter by the Spirit into fruitful labor. For our King. And Lord, we know that there is a, a day that is coming, unless you return, that we will face death. We don't know when it's coming. We don't know how it's going to come. But we do know that through Christ, it'll be far better than anything we've ever experienced on this earth. And so we rejoice and we pray, Lord, even now, let our deaths be that which glorifies you and makes you known and may we taste the fullness of the beauty of the gospel of christ as we depart and go to be with you for all eternity and as your kingdom comes what an existence what a purpose what a life what a hope it's all because you have purchased us through the cross so help us now take this lord's supper and a Manner worthy, the manner which expresses worship for who you are, and may we take the work that you have given to us seriously, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.